Thank you for joining us for Sound Reasoning with Christian apologist and minister Perseus Poku of Sound Reasoning Ministries. It's our prayer that today's program will educate, train, and empower you to defend your Christian faith with confidence. Perseus has his bachelor's in history and a master's degree in apologetics. We hope you enjoy this time of equipping so that you can answer questions to defend your Christian faith effectively. Now here's Perseus Poku on Sound Reasoning. Welcome to Sound Reasoning. I'm your host, Perseus Poku. Genesis, the second chapter, verse 7, says, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. I love reading that passage because it reminds us of our origins as human beings. On today's episode, I wanted to talk about the doctrine of humanity and the doctrine of sin. We want to touch just a little bit on the doctrine of sin. What does it mean to be a human? How do we all get here? And then there's this three-letter word, sin, that we are introduced to uh, sometimes inside the church and sometimes outside the church, but it does exist. And today we just want to unpackage those two doctrines from a Bible-based perspective. And in order for us to better understand these two doctrines, I've invited my dear brother from Southern Evangelical Seminary, uh, Douglas Potter. Doug, how are you? Good. How are you? I am doing well. So, Doug, you and Dr. Norman Geisler co-wrote a book dealing with the doctrine of humanity and the doctrine of sin. Uh, What was the motivation behind you all wanted to write on that topic? Yeah, about a year ago, Dr. Geisler approached me about doing a series of books, and actually the book on uh, human beings and sin that you uh, referenced is really part of a series of books. Uh, It's not a complete series, but it's the sixth book in the series. And he approached me about doing a series that will touch on various doctrines and touch on them in a way that a lot of other books are either too technical in terms of how they deal with it for the lay person or the average uh, person that goes to church, or they're a little bit uh, too simple or too easy. We wanted something that was kind of a middle ground that gave you the meat and the potatoes regarding the doctrine, but also related it to you in an understandable, uh, easy language, uh, but doesn't lose its uh, its biblical teeth, so to speak. Uh, you can definitely uh, dig into this book uh, if you're an advanced student or if you're brand new to it. It's going to expose you to the topic in a very systematic way. And so we devised about nine books in the whole series, and this is the sixth one that deals with human beings and sin. Um, and it's it's based on, on uh, work that Dr. Geyser has done uh, in some of his other books. Maybe your listeners are familiar with him, but he's, he's very prolific and written several books on apologetics and theology. And so this is based on his systematic theology. So... What what are some of the, I guess, misconceptions when it comes to the doctrine of humanity that we should be aware of before we move any further? Yeah, I think uh, one of the, the first things uh, that, uh, that we need to be aware of is in terms of some of the terminology that is used and kind of take some of that technical terminology and kind of bring it down to an understandable um, 
uh, use uh, with regards to uh, so that people at least understand some of the technical terminology. For example, the, the word anthropology itself um, is somewhat technical and used in a lot of different fields. Right. Uh, but it, it, it simply, if you break it into its parts, uh, a lot of theological terms are based on Greek words, and the term anthropos just means man, or mm-hmm. it could be, even be translated human being. Right. Um, and so this is really uh, a terminology uh, that uh, that simply means a human being or the study of human beings. And obviously in theology, we want to study the origin of human beings, right. where human beings come from as a creation of God. And probably the most misunderstood aspect of this is the notion of, of, of evolution, and that human beings uh, have evolved over time. Uh, human beings are just a product of their environment. Right. Um, and this really goes against the Bible and against Scripture that calls for human beings to be a special creation of God that is originally created perfect, and is flawed today and is sinful today because they fell from that perfect state. And so that's really why uh, I think this doctrine is so important, because our society, our culture, is innuated with the notion of, of biological evolution uh, and, and human beings just being a, a byproduct of that uh, and really has no special uh, creation associated with it or even uh, is even akin to or similar to um, uh, uh, being a special creation of God is distinct or different from the animal world and bears the image of God because it is because human beings are a special creation of God. Amen. Thank you for so eloquently stating that. So how should we, especially for those that are listening to us right now, how should we as believers uh, treat this topic of of what humanity is from a Bible-based perspective versus some of those who are in the church who are trying to reconcile evolution and the Bible. Yeah, well, it, we go. We have to go back to the Bible. This, this is indeed, in terms of this doctrine and what we know uh, regarding the truth, is to really return to as you started off with the Book of Genesis. And, and this is where God has revealed truth to us that we just cannot get from, from uh, studying science, creation, or, or evolution. And so, therefore, we, we really need to start with the original uh, state of man, with uh, human beings, and the notion that God originally made us perfect as human mm. beings, and this is the first human couple, Adam and Eve. And he also uh, created a perfect environment uh, for human beings. And this is, this is not something you're going to be able to get from science. This is not something that you're going to find in evolution. And this is really contrasted uh, with that. And, you know, your, your program is centered on, your ministry is centered on Christian apologetics. So I'm not using the Bible in a presuppositional sense right. of uh, we just assume that it's true. We certainly can demonstrate with good reason, good evidence, and good argumentation that the Bible is the Word of God. Uh, but once we demonstrate that the Bible is the Word of God, then we must bow our knee to its doctrines mm. and its teaching. And that's really what we are doing here in this conversation, is we are appealing to the Scripture as giving us truth that we cannot get anywhere else. Uh, technically, we call this special revelation, mm-hmm. uh, as opposed to general revelation that you would get outside the Bible. Um, so it's here that we really need to start uh, resting on apologetics already having been done to have demonstrated the truth of Christianity. Amen. And, and, and just to bring out another aspect, as we're having this discussion, we're not saying that 
faith conflicts with uh, science. What we are saying is uh, uh, some of the some people in the world, uh, because of their own biases, choose to draw a different conclusion than what uh, science is pointing to it in terms of truth. Yeah, indeed. In fact, if you if you look at it in terms of the fact that God has really two revelations that He has given to us, one is what we call general revelation or or um, uh, nature itself, and certainly we can study nature and study science and look at it. But He's also given us the Bible, which is special revelation. Uh, in general revelation, uh, he, he uh, reveals to us in terms of laws of nature and, and the study of biological organisms and everything that we find uh, outside the Bible. But that truth, mm-hmm. ultimately, what is true about that, must be in harmony with what he's given us in the Bible. Amen. Because there's no contradiction in God, and there's no contradiction in terms of what he has created or what he has inspired. And he has indeed created the world and inspired his word. So the two must agree. If, if we think there's a conflict, and, and there are real conflicts in terms of human investigation of these things, but the problem lies not in creation and not in the Bible, but in human understanding of these two things. Right. That's where the flaw is. That is where the conflict is. So evolution comes along and says uh, that human beings have just evolved from uh, previous uh, uh, animal ancestries, um, and that's in conflict with the scripture that says that human beings are a special revelation. The conflict is human, uh, and it must be resolved in terms of a deeper, uh, more clear understanding of creation as well as, the, as well as the scriptures in order to bring reconciliation to that. One is not going to trump the other. Right. Uh, it's going to come in terms of a balance with regards to those particular understandings uh, that human beings have. And indeed, over time, we can gain more and more knowledge about creation as well as more and more knowledge about the Bible uh, to bring this in clear focus to us. But we are limited and finite human beings that are indeed um, uh, dealing with God who is unlimited and infinite and who has knowledge and power uh, that is infinite and eternal. And it's us grasping what he has revealed to us in both those areas that we wrestle with. Amen. Thank you so much. We have uh, as our special guest today, Dr. Douglas Potter of Southern Evangelical Seminary, and we're talking about the doctrine of humanity. So please touch on the original state of human beings. Sure. Yeah, we were obviously God is perfect. Matthew 5, uh, 48 says your heavenly father is perfect. God is perfect, and he can only make perfect creatures. He can only make a, a, uh, a good world. And so uh, that's what we have in the very beginning. Adam is created, and he is perfect in terms of his human nature. Um, obviously, he's a creation of God, so he still always is limited, finite uh, uh, being, but he is a perfect creation of God. That is, he has no moral imperfection. In terms of his materiality and in terms of his morality, he's a perfect human being. And there's nothing flawed about him. And the same thing with his environment. He's given a perfect environment, and certainly in that environment, Genesis tells us he's given, us, he's given tasks to do, uh, responsibilities uh, that he has given and commands that he has given. 
and he's given everything he needs to uh, fulfill those commands. And so human beings are made perfect, and this includes Adam as well, and Adam, I'm sorry, excuse me, Eve as well. Eve is taken from Adam's rib and created from Adam in his perfect state and, and created as a helpmate, a helper for him, such that they are both perfect and put in a garden which is perfect as well in terms of supporting them and sustaining them uh, so that they can worship and have fellowship with God. Amen. This is certainly information that we can all utilize, especially in our private devotions, especially in the Sunday school classrooms and Bible study. And that's to understand the original state of humanity and what the Bible teaches us about how we all got here and what happened. So my next question deals with, uh, in, in the book, you use a term, morally neutral as it relates to the tree of knowledge of God, of good and evil. So please explain this term when, uh, as you put it, morally neutral. Yeah. Um, it may sound uh, kind of technical, but really what we mean by that is, is um, uh, perhaps it's best to start out with contrasting that with what I would say is an intrinsic evil. Um, uh, Adam and Eve, because they, they were not created with a sinful nature, they were created morally perfect. So uh, to uh, tempt them, or excuse me, to test them with an intrinsic evil would really be useless to them. To tempt uh, Adam and Eve uh, to lie or to cheat uh, or to murder or to lust is really useless in their state because, again, they're morally perfect. They have no example to follow with regards to something that is an intrinsic evil. So the only thing that God tests them with um, it's important to point out that God doesn't tempt them. This is not a temptation that right. God gives them, but it is a test that God gives them. And this test is simply about obeying God or disobeying God. That's where they can fail or that's where they can fall. Um, the relationship that they have with God is one of trust and one of obedience. And so he does this in terms of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, uh, which they are not to take from. And there's a sense in which, and I don't mean to be flippant about it, but we mentioned this in the book, uh, Dr. Geyser and I, where, um, you know, he, it could have been something else. He could have said, uh, don't pick the daisies. Right. Um, it, it could have been something else about creation that he tests them with uh, regard to. But it's described, indeed, as the tree of knowledge of good and evil, which they are told not to take from. And this is really a morally neutral. It's not intrinsically evil. Uh, in terms of their testing, uh, but it does test their obedience to God. Will they obey God or will they not obey God with respect to this one particular object? And so that's really what we mean by morally neutral. They're not tempted like you and I are with regards to uh, uh, cheating or lying or um, uh, doing things that are intrinsically evil, whether it be lust um, or cheating, or uh, these types of things. These are temptations to us. Uh, these are tests, uh, indeed. Uh, but we have a sinful nature. We're already on the other side of the fall. We're in a fallen state. Mm. Adam is perfect. Uh, so these types of tests, intrinsic evils, really would do nothing. They would not be a, a test of him uh, because he's morally perfect. But obeying God is indeed a, t a test um, of his obedience towards God. Another uh, topic that's in the book, and by the way, if you're listening to us, this book uh, on 
the doctrine of humanity, of, of human beings and, and sin, uh, you should have in your library. It's a, it's a, uh, not an exhaustive book, but it has a wealth of information in it uh, for those that want to obtain it. But you also touch on the doctrine of the soul. And this is important because as a minister, one of the things that, of course, I have to deal with is funerals and, and mortality and losing loved ones. And so the lesson there is that we, all of us, uh, have to deal with this issue of mortality. And as a result, is there a soul? And the Bible teaches us there's a soul. So please expound on uh, the term that you use when you talk about the psychosomatic aspect of the soul-body unit. Yeah, that sounds really uh, technical, but I, I think I can bring it down uh, to uh, to where uh, we can understand. The soul is very important. In fact, the very uh, verse that you read, uh, uh, then the Lord God formed man, this is Genesis 2, 7, formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his mm. nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. So man is formed from the dust of the ground, just like the animals are. But it is never said of the animals that they are given the breath of life, mm. or that they become a living being. The soul is something that is very unique to humanity, because one of the things that human beings are is they are a rational creature. Amen. Um, that is that they, they, they judge and they reason, uh, they form concepts, and they form reasoning with regards to arguments and making judgments. And this is their, where their will uh, takes place. Uh, that is, they, they, uh, they decide to do things. Uh, they don't just follow their desires, but they can decide different than what they desire. This makes uh, human beings unique from the animal world. That is a different kind, uh, not just in terms of degree, but a different kind. And it's this rational soul uh, that human beings uh, have in terms of being combined with matter, having a body, no doubt, uh, but it being united uh, to their soul, uh, such that uh, they indeed are a rational human being who thinks, feels, uh, wills, uh, reasons, makes arguments, and, and probably most important is directed towards God in terms of worship. This is absolutely unique with regards to human beings and isn't found with regards to the animals. So by soul, uh, we, we really mean those capacities that human beings can do that are completely immaterial in terms of reasoning, uh, in terms of making judgments, in terms of, uh, of having a will and directing themselves uh, in worship or directing themselves uh, towards God in, with regards to a relationship. And this is indeed what sin ultimately, and we may bring this up later, um, but this is indeed what sin affects, not only the body, but also affects mm. the soul in terms of being fallen or being directed away from God. Um, so the soul becomes extremely important to, to understand. And with regards to your second issue in, in it being a psychosomatic body unity, are you there? Well, our power just went out. We're... <laughs> are you there? I'm here. Okay, our power just went out. <laughs> uh oh. But I think the phones are where well, yeah, we're uh we got a storm going on. Um so if you can hear me, I'm gonna keep going. Yes, please go <laughs> keep going. We have three minutes. Okay, all right, sorry about that. Um but the um uh the the soul body unity is, is very, very important uh because um Oftentimes, things in the body affect the soul and vice versa. Oftentimes, things in the soul affect the body, meaning my body can feel pain and I can be depressed. 
with regards to that. It affects my soul. Mm. And also I could hear news of a, of a loved one who has passed away, and immediately I feel saddened to the point of tears, which affects the body when I produce tears and I'm sad. So there's a very tight unity uh, with regards to the soul and the body. And um, and this is this is what we mean by soul body unity, and it's very important because it's presented to us in Scripture, uh, and this is really what makes us what we are. It's not that the body is more important than the soul, or that the soul is more important than the body, but the two together make a complete human being mm. in terms of a complete nature with regards to what we are as a human being. Mm. Thank you so much for um, sharing that with us, and again. Uh, Brother Doug, we thank you for coming on Sound Reasoning Radio Show. Uh, we, we're praying for your ministry. We're praying for Southern Evangelical Seminary, uh, that you all keep allowing God to use you to produce these type of uh, materials that the church may be helped. So thank you so much for coming on the show. It's great to be with you, and, and the Lord bless your ministry, and thank you so much for all that you do for the faith. All right. Thank you. That's uh, Dr. Doug Potter from Southern Evangelical Seminary, and um, he's sharing with us the book that he co-wrote with Dr. Norman Geisler on the doctrine associated with human beings and the doctrine associated with sin from a Bible-based perspective. And for those of us uh, that would like to learn more, please get the book. Uh, You should be able to get it off of Amazon and I believe it'll be much help to you if you're a Sunday school teacher, if you're a parent, uh, if you are a layman or laywoman, uh, whatever your category is in life, I think the book will help you in your personal devotion. And as always, we thank you all for listening to Sound Reason and Ministries. Uh, we thank you for your support. Uh, we pray that if the Lord put it on your heart to donate to Sound Reason and Ministries, that you Uh, do so uh, with uh, charity. So thank you all again for supporting us and um, evangelizing and discipling and making yourself active at your local church. It's very important that we first know who we are in God. We, our souls are rational souls. And as a result, once we're connected to Jesus Christ, he can use our rationality to influence our soul that we may bring glory to him and influence and compel others to come to Christ. Thank you again and may God bless you. For listening to Sound Reasoning with apologist and minister Perseus Poku from Sound Reasoning Ministries. It's our prayer that today's lesson has equipped you to share and defend your Christian faith with boldness. Sound Reasoning Ministries offers training in apologetics, biblical studies, and systematic theology. Join in on discussions on Facebook at Sound Reasoning Ministries. For more information about the ministry, to send an email, ask a question, or support the ministry, visit online at srministries.org. That's srministries.org. 
Listen again next week at this same time. And remember, Titus 1.9 says, Hold firm to the trustworthy message as has been taught so that you can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. Sound Reasoning Ministries, srministries.org. God's Word will change our life, but sometimes it's hard to know where to start. Well, that's where I come in. I'm Jody Nisnik, host of So Much More, Creating Space for God, a scripture meditation podcast. And each week, I guide you through a scripture, giving you space to listen to the Spirit and pray about what's on your heart. Then we have a thoughtful conversation with guests to help us go deeper. Listen and subscribe at lifeaudio.com.